0: The divide between incurred and budgeted costs. You're listening to Outlook, one of the commercial, construction and international arbitration podcast series brought to you by the members of 39 Essex Chambers.
1: Hello, everyone. Peter Hurst here. I'd like to introduce you to this podcast episode. The speaker is Judith Ayling. Judith acts for both claimants and defendants for receiving and paying parties, and for solicitors and lay clients. She has considerable experience of complex funding questions, including the assignment and novation of conditional fee agreements, of detailed assessment and appeals, and of disputes under the Solicitors Act 1974. She appears regularly in the Senior Courts Costs Office and the High Court and is listed in the Legal 500 and Chambers and Partners. She also has considerable experience in cost issues arising where group litigation orders have been made or are being considered and in cost capping in GLO cases. She is specialist funding counsel for UKTC in UK, tcv Fiat Chrysler and others in the Competition Appeal Tribunal, in which there is, is a dispute as to whether a third-party funding agreement is a damages-based agreement. She lectures very regularly on costs matters. Judith is going to speak about the divide between incurred and budgeted costs, an update.
0: So I'm Judith Ailing. I've been practising from these chambers since I was a pupil in 1998 after 10 years in publishing. I practise in costs and also in personal injury and clinical negligence and a lot of my cost work arises out of heavy clinical negligence and personal injury litigation but I also do very technical specialist cost work. So for instance I'm involved in a case in the competition appeal tribunal at the moment where there's an argument that a third party Funding arrangement is also a damages based agreement and falls foul of the relevant legislation. I'm going to talk about the divide between incurred and budgeted costs, and there have been some recent changes which I'll talk about at the end of this podcast. So, there was, as you're probably aware, um, a change to the practice direction 3E, paragraph 7.4, on the 1st of October 2019, and on that date, the Ministry of Justice also updated the precedent H guidance notes. So, the amendment to practice direction 3E was to make it clear that when you're preparing a cost budget and when the master or judge is making a cost management order, the incurred costs go up to and including the day of the cost management conference. That's clear in para 7.4 the court may not approve costs incurred up to and including the date of the cost management hearing. And there's a consequential amendment to the guidance at paragraph 10, which has now been amended to say that incurred costs are all costs incurred up to and including the date of the first cost management order unless otherwise ordered. And it also provides now that budgeted costs are all costs to be incurred after the date of the first cost management order. So far, so good. So it's now established in both the practice direction and the guidance that the first case management costs should be included as incurred costs, which you know had become the practice anyway, but that's now established, as I say, in both the PD and the guidance. But just be careful because the wording applies across all phases in the budget To move costs up to and including the date of the first CMC from estimated to incurred. So, at the stage of preparing the budget, you have to be careful to estimate what further costs will have been incurred in each phase by the time of the CMC. So, it's not just the CMC costs that move across into incurred, it's all costs in any phase that have been incurred up to the time of the first case management conference. That can give rise. To problems. So, if there is a substantial delay between the date when you prepare the budget and the first CCMC, and of course that will be the case in any claim worth less than 50k, um, but it happens otherwise if for some reason there's a, there is a delay because, for instance, the CCMC is adjourned, what do you do about that? So, you can, of course, update the budget before the CCMC and seek permission to rely on that updated budget. That may cause you practical difficulties because how are you going to prepare the precedent R in time and you have to get the updated budgets to the court. The other solution is simply to leave it and put the higher incurred costs in the bill of costs assessment. And of course, there will be a detailed assessment of the incurred costs anyway. If you take that course, the paying party may object when it comes to dealing with the incurred costs. So I think the sensible thing to do is probably, to, well, firstly, to raise it with your opponent, but possibly to ask the court for directions if that's feasible. And certainly many of the masters in the QBD, for instance, in my experience, are receptive to an email in which advice is simply asked for. And the problem also arises if the case management hearing proceeds on one day, but cost management has to be put off to another day. What do you do? Do you amend... The budget or leave it. And of course I'd point out that another problem with leaving it is that the court has to have an accurate picture at the time when it cost manages the estimated costs because it's mandatory for it to take the incurred costs into account when considering what to allow for the estimated costs. It will the PD 7.4 says it will take those costs into account when considering the reasonableness and proportionality of all subsequent budgeted costs. So in those circumstances my suggestion is if if the cost management is put off to another day that when the judge does that you ask the court for directions at that point as to how you're to treat incurred and estimated costs and what the date of incurred costs is to be. I'd just like to go back to the um, amendments to power 7-4 and the guidance because there is an inconsistency between them. The Paras 7.4 itself says the incurred costs are all costs incurred up to and including the date of the case management hearing, whereas the guidance says up to the date of the first CMO. And the guidance also has this unless otherwise ordered provision, an escape clause, which hasn't been explored yet in any cases. I don't... It's not quite clear to me how the... PD 7.4 wording came to be the date of the CM hearing because the Civil Procedure Rules Committee minutes for April 2019 say that the wording was to be the first CM hearing. But anyway, it is now the date of the CM hearing as against the date of the first CMO in the guidance. And no doubt that will come up for consideration in case law in due course. So I want to come on to talk about revised budgets or budget revision, and there have been some recent changes in this area, and there are about to be, well, there are about to be more. There is no mention at the moment in the CPR themselves or in the guidance notes about how to deal with revised budgets, but you know that the 7.6 of the practice direction says that the court may only permit variation in respect to future costs. The present white book guidance says in terms, and this is at 3.15.4, that if a budget is subsequently revised, previous estimated costs don't turn into incurred costs. What it says is, well, if after the approval of the budget, the party submits a revised budget, the cost previously shown in the incurred cost column should remain the same. So that's, that's clear in the white book guidance. However, the cases are contradictory on this point. So in Yo and Times Newspapers Limited in 2015, Mr Justice Warby looked at this question because there was an application before him, both to add £21,000 to incurred costs since the last cost management order, and then to add a sum to future estimated costs. And what Mr Justice Warby said, having looked at the wording of the pd and the guidance he said that it's not para 7.6 is not an apt vehicle for obtaining the court's approval for costs incurred before the budget and paris 7.4 provides that costs may not approve costs incurred before the budget so he declined to add any sum to the incurred costs and said that was a matter for detailed assessment but in A case called Sharp and Blank in 2017, Master Marsh in the Chancery Division took a different view. This is a very careful judgment in huge group litigation where the first cost management order was made after the second CMC and there were big sums of money in issue. Now, what he said was, and obviously he was dealing with this black hole question where you have costs that have been incurred since the budget So they can't go into estimated costs, but they weren't in the incurred costs at the time the first CMO was made. And what Master Marsh said was that future costs in PD 3E 7.6 refers to costs after the last approved or agreed budget. Um, So he moves um, incurred costs. He treats future costs as costs after the last approved or agreed budget. So he's treating some incurred costs as future costs. Now, if you look at costs and funding sixth edition, which is a very good source of wisdom and advice on such matters, the author of the relevant chapter says that, well, he disagrees with the reasoning of Chief Master Marsh and says that the court can only ever budget costs to be incurred and there can't be retrospective approval of incurred costs relating to a significant development unless those costs are agreed. And so it proposes, or the author proposes, that future is removed from 3E, para 7.6. So there are, as I say, about to be developments in this area. And just in the last week, what those developments are going to be has become clearer. So in October 2019, the Civil Procedure Rule Committee addressed its mind to the question of staged budgets, budget variations and said that the issue was complex, and it used the phrase, which I think is quite apposite, of budget repair. And in December of last year, there was a long discussion with a senior cost judge present about proposed revisions to CPR 315 and PD3E, and there was discussion of a new precedent T to be used for variations and a budget variation notice and updated guidance notes, and it was agreed that a precedent T should be introduced for budget variation. Those amendments were agreed in March of this year and now there is um, an SI which sets out the new wording for the practice direction and the rules and that is now available if you look simply um, for the civil procedure rules, look at the civil procedure rules website and that gives you a link into the October 2020 SI or the SI that will have effect from the 1st of October 2020. So the new precedent T is to be used in the event of a variation of a budget pursuant to CPR 3.15A under the now 122nd Practice Direction update. Precedent T has already been published, as the CPR homepage says, in the interests of helpfulness. So if you look at that page, you will find a link through to the new Excel page for the precedent T and. It's a very neat form, which allows the party applying for a variation to set out in terms what the variation is to be, whether plus or minus, and the total estimated costs after the variation. And then there's a column for completion by the court. And the interesting thing to notice about this is that the guidance is going to go and there is now going to be simply the relevant rules and then the relevant practice direction which is in so a set of rules and a pd which is intended only to in, to include practice guidance so it rationalizes the current structure of the rules on variations to make it all hopefully simpler and clearer and i should say that in my own experience revision is the one area of cost management which has been probably underused and overly complicated so the aim is to try and sort that out and to make sure that parties do apply to revise budgets when they need to rather than leaving it to the end of the case and trying to apply if you're a receiving party to depart from the budget because there's a good reason or if you're the paying party to object to any attempt by the receiving party to do that so this should make the whole process much more streamlined. Thanks for listening At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars.